It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 141 of Curse of the Black Pearl. I have one more clip I wanted to share from the 50th anniversary of the Pirates of the Caribbean panel at D23 this year. This again is Marty Sklar, Disney Imagineer and legend, and he speaks about Walt's vision and how the Pirates of the Caribbean changed theme park rides and storytelling, I guess you could say. Oh, really? Yeah, so let's go ahead and play it, and then we can okay. briefly chat about it. There's one story I do want to tell. It's a little bit off the Johnny Depp piece, but we have one mock-up of the uh, auction scene at Imagineering before it was all shipped to uh, Disneyland. And uh, we pushed Walt through it. It was the last thing he saw before he went in the hospital. And uh, he was at the level, eye level, so you can see uh, what the show was going to be like. And all the voices were recorded. Got to the end, and and X said to him, Walt, you know, I think I overwrote this. Too much dialogue. And Walt looked at him and he said, no, think of this like a cocktail party. You go through and you pick up pieces of dialogue here and something over here, something over here, but you never get the whole thing. So what? You have to go back. Walt Disney was such a mastermind. He created a ride in which you purposely could not hear all the dialogue and so it draws you back to go again and again. There's no wonder Disney is where it is today and not only that, he set up this company, this entertainment juggernaut, to acquire Star Wars and Marvel. I mean, it had some great groundbreaking leadership after yeah. him as well that just carried it. And yeah. that's just crazy. They were actually, you know, uh, Walt passed away right before this movie or this um, ride opened up. Well, they kind of kept delaying the opening of the ride because it didn't have Walt's supervision and they were afraid to open it. It wasn't if everything wasn't perfect. Because oh. Walt would always sign off on the ride before it opened. Yeah. Or on, on anything before it went out to the public. And so they didn't have that sign off of Walt's. And so they were like, actually towards the end, they're getting ready to open. And you have the pirate that's dangling there with his hairy leg. And he's got the parrot on his shoulder. Yeah. Well, they're sitting there playing with the parrot, trying to decide what shoulder <laughs> we would be best on. And one of the guys finally says, you know... You're going to wear that parrot out by keep moving him back and forth. <laughs> it's time to open. Everything's perfect. Yeah. We can't delay it anymore, you know. I think they were just stalling. Right, because they were just kind of nervous about yeah. opening it before without Walt's signature on it. That's what happens. But he created a hell of a team, though. Yeah, he did. Ah, uh, or Ode to Walt. We'll have to do something on that in a, another episode yeah. and talk about pirates. But let's get on with the minute and... What I'll do is actually I'll post that whole entire panel on our Cursed Listeners crew 
So if you want to do that, go ahead and join our Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group, and we share some of that stuff, and I'll go ahead and post that link there so you can check out the whole 50th anniversary Pirates of the Caribbean. It's an hour, so you might want to hang out and kick back and watch it. But yeah, it has some good stuff, and it's pretty cool. Yeah. In the previous minute, dearly visual effects lovers, we are gathered here today in the sight of the heathen Aztec gods to lay to rest many of the visual effects companies that serve their duty aboard the Black Pearl. From Boy Wonder to CIS Hollywood to Asylum and many more, we thank you for your contribution to the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise and thank you for helping bring skeleton pirates to life. Now down to Davy Jones's locker with you. And long live ILM. <laughs> Minute 141 begins with more additional effects credits going to Grey Matter FX. Ah, another one that just bites the dust. A thanks to the creative and technical team at Method, Pacific Title gets an applause, and then we roll to pre-visualization by Pixel Liberation Front. The minute ends with Caribbean Unit, St. Vincent and the Grenadines credits, the prop maker gang bosses, and a shout out to welding, plastering, and we round things out with painter Adam Scooty. Well, wouldn't you know it. We have more masters and more gang bosses going on here. More gangs, you see? Exactly. Thank you for that. You're really honing your skills on the the 1930s gang movies. I don't know if they really talk like that now. The gangs? Yeah, there's a whole different kind of gang. Only going if you're on. New York. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Either that or New Jersey. There you go. So basically, the choir coordinator got jealous when it came time for her acknowledgement to roll around in the credits and decided to up her game and proclaim herself choir master. Now. Choir master, there you go. Okay, she should have gone with choir gang boss. (laughs) I don't think she was wrangling anybody though, so she's just the master. But I'm just wondering now: is everybody getting a master in their job title? Yeah, I think I could use a master. Oh, well, I am Jedi master. Master. You know, you're senpai, apple pie, and all that kind of stuff. We also have the prop maker. Wait, senpai and kohai. You're the kohai. I almost gave you a senpai title. You already gave me a senpai. No, that's not right. Can't take it back. Can't take it back. That's from Rising Sun, out there, by the way, which is another good movie. Wesley Snipes and Sean Connery. You're apple pie. No, I am the senpai apple pie. You're no, the I'm senpai. That's enough arguing about it. We all know I'm the master. This is not the argument you will win. Oh, this is the argument I will win. We also have the prop maker gang bosses. Not just one. There's a whole group of gang bosses now. And this for really for does... props? Yeah. Really? Yeah, exactly. Because there's a lot of props going on. So they got a whole bunch of bosses out there. Hmm. Everybody's marking their turf. Different areas, maybe? Exactly. You gotta go all over the place. This really does feel like a Sopranos thing happening here. Polly Walnuts is on the set, along with some good fellas. Just all kinds of things going on. So if you're not on the film set packing heat now, I think you're endangering <laughs> your own life. You gotta pack heat when you go out onto a film set. These bosses and these gangs are just brutal. Doing all kinds of things. I fell in love with another company name getting some credit for making, guess what? The end credits. Oh, really? Exactly. Even they got to be in there. Wow. The one who makes the end credits got to be in the end credits. It's a little bizarre, but yeah, I get it. I get you. It all has to happen. They all have to get their love. Anyways, it's not like nerding out over the now defunct Boy Wonder effects founded by Robin Burt Ward himself. But this is one of those moments where I take my hat off and recognize the creativity for whomever named the company. It's a company that does credits. It's called Scarlet Letters. Yeah, that's awesome. That is. I like it. That's what I thought. They're still around? You know, I didn't check on them. Oh, okay. I, I didn't want to tear just up. curious. After yesterday's brutal downer of a show, 
I figured we should try and end on Friday on a high note. And so I didn't want to say, hey, there's more defunct groups. Because I just mentioned Boy Wonder. So I was trying not to go there. But yeah, Scarlet Letters. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. A literature reference. So there we go. Still not as high up on my creative company name list like a bigger boat productions. An obvious Jaws reference. But those subtle pop culture things in movies that inspire company names, I just think they're wicked cool because I had to use wicked again. (laughs) But they are. Hats off to you guys for coming up with those cool names. Yep. All those movies that inspired everybody and then you got to come up with a bigger boat production. I don't even know if bigger boat production is still around. And they're not even in this movie, but I just really (laughs) fell in love with the name of that because I'm a Jaws lover. Jaws is my number one movie, so... But it has the the buoy with the bell kind of dinging back and forth. And there's no Jaws there, but you know something's going on there. So like I said, hats off to all you creative company namers out there. In this particular minute, we also have a couple of scoring stages. One of them was the Newman scoring stage. And to show you how much into music I was, I thought this was a Randy Newman name thing. Newman's own? Solid Not dancing? Paul Newman. Randy <laughs> Newman. I love LA, you know? Oh, okay. The guy who does like every Disney yeah. song ever. Did a lot. What did he do? Well, cars and stuff. And What hasn't he done? Yeah, the guy's Randy true. Newman. Yeah. And other stuff. But like I said, I love LA. That's what he, uh, that's the one that pops into my mind. Plus, like I said, a billion other Disney movies. But I thought, could this really be named after Randy Newman? And I thought there's a high likelihood that this is. But I was wrong. Along with Sony and MGM, the recording studio, Newman's scoring stage, It's on the premises of Fox Studios and is noteworthy as one of the few remaining large-scale scoring facilities in Los Angeles. Built in the 1920s as a filming stage, it was later converted into a recording studio when composer Alfred Newman was head of 20th Century Fox's music department. Not only were Newman's film scores recorded at the studio, but also his famous Fox logo fanfare. Divas such as Marilyn Monroe, Julie Andrews, and Shirley Jones have recorded on the stage as well, along with Elvis Presley. Pirate Elvis. <laughs> or Elvis Pirate, was it? ElvisPirate.com. Famous film composer John Williams also worked with Alfred Newman in his early career, so his name is pretty inseparable and linked uh, to the studio as well. And we all know John Williams, most awesome composer ever. Yes. I don't think you know who he is. You don't! How dare you? Are you serious? I send you to the deep. You don't know I John probably, Williams? Maybe. You just... You just embarrass yourself across the world. John Williams, Star Wars theme, Jaws, oh. Indiana Jones, Need I Go On, I woman. It sounded familiar. I just couldn't put them together. That's all. Go. Sounded familiar? I think that's because my dad's name is John and his middle name is William. So you just automatically think that. Yes, you did it. You didn't even know what's going on there. You didn't know who he was. The list of scores that have been recorded at the studio in the last 70 years seem almost endless. In recent years, scores for The Simpsons, The Matrix, Sex and the City, Wally, The Devil Wars Prada, Pirates of the Caribbean, and amongst countless others that have been recorded at the Newman Soundstage. And really, those aren't recent years. Those are 10 years past. I didn't really look up any new ones, obviously. Otherwise, I'd have something new as opposed to stuff from Wally? the early 2000s. Yeah. Whenever, what was Wally? 2009? That's my guess. Wally 2009. My official guess. Wally. For some reason, 2009 sticking in my head. Ooh, eight. Oh, I'm either usually right on or so close. And this was one of those rare moments that I was wrong, but I was so close. We probably saw it, it in so 2009. Far. Yeah, because I don't think we went to the We theater. didn't go to the movies to see it, so we waited oh, for it. Yeah. That's why I have a recollection problem now, because I'm associating that with the time period we saw it. 
I'm going to have to make sure I change that in my file system later. You should probably do that. Todd's scoring stage was the other one that's mentioned. And this one was interesting because it really has a link to all kinds of classic TV shows and movies. In 1987, Glenn Glenn Sound was acquired by Todd Scoring Stage, or Todd AO is what it's called. Do you know Glenn Glenn? Am I supposed to? I can't imagine that you haven't seen it. It appears on the credits of all these classic TV shows. My God, woman. I don't really pay attention to the Uh, Well, I think you've just established that. Because you didn't even know the big dog, John Williams. But the largest sound post-production company in the USA at the time... Created in the 1950s, Todd AO was a 70mm film format offering then unequaled sound and picture standards. Inventor Michael Todd, and he was Elizabeth Taylor's husband, and he passed away in 1955, had the idea of a huge projection space and six soundtracks to surround the audience, so as to give the audience the impression of being inside the pictures. The acronym Todd AO stands from the family name of its creator, followed by the letters of the optical company which ran the patent, American Optical. Now we're nerding out on scoring stages and optics. For those aficionados of classic TV shows, because now I have to remind Heather of Glenn Glenn, and I can't believe you've never noticed it just by going, hey, look it, that guy has the same name, first name and last name. Glenn Glenn, just with an added That would be something that I point out. Don't understand how you don't notice that. Mm. But you may remember seeing the credit given to, well, I say that to the audience because we have already established Heather doesn't remember seeing the credit. Given to Glenn Glenn Sound, notably TV shows associated with this, when it was Glenn Glenn and not Todd, include Andy Griffith, Gomer Pyle, A-Team, Cheers, Star Trek, Brady Bunch, and the list goes on and on and on. I've seen Andy Griffith like thousands of times. How's that not even That's possible? That's my point. I don't know how this is impossible. That's weird. The Lucy Show. I mean, all of these yeah, things that you've watched. that's weird. Wa- you, that's what I'm saying. You're a Leave crazy woman. Or is that too new? Or newer. I didn't see Leave it to Beaver on the list, but I only pulled a few because I could have sworn that I didn't have to go through all billion of them for you not to see it. I never noticed. Have you ever heard of Sit Ubu Sit? Good dog. Okay, then. So you do know something. They have to talk. Well, that has to do with dogs, too, so. (laughs) Oh, man. And I used to walk around the house saying that all the time. I was really deciding what to do for really bad eggs, since we're going to move along and pretend that Heather knew Glenn Glenn. Maybe like in some post I can try and pretend that she did that. I'll rearrange all of her words to say, oh yes, I do know that. You know, if I watched the thing, I'd probably go, oh yeah, I've seen that before. That's probably right. If you were to look at it, you have seen it, yeah, but you just can't visualize it right now, because your hamster's asleep at the wheel upstairs. Oh. But I was deciding what to do. It's the end of the week. I was deciding what to do for really bad eggs since I'm just going to, like I said, leave that alone. Since we haven't had any quotes to examine for the week. And we talked about this last week of what we're going to do with it. Or was it earlier in the week? I don't remember now. Yeah, I don't remember. I know we talked about our favorite line from the movie or our favorite cast name. But since we've been doing that all along this week with lists and quotes and our top quotes and Disney's quotes that we put to shame. And we even talked about some of our favorite pirate names and stuff. And even names in the crew yeah by the way my favorite name from this minute is slam andrews with two m's yes that's right oh so you remember something (laughs) slam andrews because that caught my eye (laughs) that's what i'm saying that is my favorite name from the crew this week yeah me too andrews yeah i think that's like a video game name or movie name something no doubt for that That and crash yeah that should be together 
Crash and slam. I think I like Crash because the sea turtle on Finding Nemo's name was Crash. Ah, That's right. Yeah. Just think they could start their own company. Slam Crash. Slam Crash Productions or something. Yes. Crash Slam. No, Slam Crash. Oh, my God. I was testing it. You're actually brainstorming this right now? It doesn't even make sense. (laughs) Anyways, I settled to forgo those ideas and then present our list of the top Easter eggs. Strike your colors, you bloomin' cockroaches. Hands, grapnels at the ready. Prepare to board. It's time for Really Bad Eggs. So here we go. Actually, it was compiled by What Culture. That's the name of it, whatculture.com. And it's I changed it because some of them I didn't like. Okay. Some of them I didn't think were appropriate. And some of them weren't from The Curse of the Black Pearl. Do I have to go through all the things of why? Let's just move on. It's 13 Pirates of the Caribbean Easter eggs you probably missed in Curse of the Black Pearl. Star Trek. The HMS Interceptor under Norrington's command is the Lady Washington. We've established this. we talked about it a lot. Which, I can't believe I didn't mention this before, maybe we did, was featured in Star Trek Generations and was used as inspiration for the RLS legacy in Treasure Planet. Star Trek Generations, when they're having the promotion ceremony. Did I mention it? With Worf on the plank? I think you mentioned it. Oh, then I'm a true Trekkie if I mentioned it. Thank God I did. Otherwise, I was letting myself down. Just in case you forgot then. But the, again, this is the top list, so oh, yeah. I just wanted to include that. When Barbosa meets his temporary demise, temporary in quotes because we haven't gotten to season two yet, his symbolic apple, the apple we've talked about at the symbol, falls out of his hand in an almost shot-for-shot redo of Citizen Kane's death when he drops the snow globe, which we forgot to mention. Yes. Because I don't think I mentioned that one. No. Each film in the original trilogy has at least one Wilhelm scream in it. And I think we talked about the Wilhelm screams. Yeah. In The Curse of the Black Pearl, it can be heard in the background of the Battle of the Dauntless when Barbosa's skeletal pirates launch a surprise attack. <laughs> Obviously, we're moving on. There are numerous references to Yoho Yoho, A Pirate's Life mm-hmm. for Me, which might as well be the ride's official theme song, actually. Right. The Cursed Treasure is referenced in the ride, and Barbosa borrows the Bloomin' Cockroaches line from the ride to describe his crew in Curse of the Black yeah. Pearl, as we saw. Plus the dog, and the jail, and many more that we talked about. So I'm not going to reference all the the right things. But yeah, I'm just lumping all ride references into one giant Easter egg. What? And we're not going to walk through all those. (laughs) And a strangely personal reference to Johnny Depp's appreciation for a cult British comedy show, The Fast Show, which he famously cameoed on, two of Sparrow's lines are catchphrases lifted from the show. They are, and then they made me their chief. Boom, Mm. comes from The Fast Show. And I'll Get Me Coat, which was made popular by the sketch show as well. Oh, wow. So there we go. Pirates of the Caribbean is linked to the story of the secret of Monkey Island, which is centered on a supernatural curse and a damsel in distress, like the Curse of the Black Pearl. And there's a creepy undead pirate villain in the movie, as well as in Curse of the Black Pearl. So Monkey Island's LeChuck is just replaced by Barbosa in that respect. So the similarities don't end there, and it's extremely possible that they're all down to screenwriter Ted Elliott because he was the one who was initially intended to write the film adaption of Monkey Island before it was thrown in the trash bin. Oh, really? The project was dumped. So there we go. Oh, you sneaky, sneaky little Ted Elliott. (laughs) Sparrow was apparently based on Jack Ward, or Birdie, as he was extremely unterrifyingly otherwise known. A real-life pirate who converted to Islam after a career after pirating all over the Caribbean. Pirate. He then changed his name to Yusef Reis and saw his exploits celebrated in tales of infamy and songs in a gigantic blockbuster Disney franchise as well. Huh. 
Here we go. Curse of the Black Pearl shows this guy in kind of a weird Jack Sparrow way. The clues to his kinship with Sparrow appear in the Islamic pendant entwined in Jack's hair. And we talked about all the trinkets in his yeah. hair. His headband and his eye makeup. Port Royal battle scene when the prisoners escape. There's that explosion, right? They're crawling out. Or we pan out. They're crawling out, right? I think they're crawling out. And then we pan up to the sky and see yeah. the billowing of that and creates a hidden Mickey. A official hidden Mickey. The welt on Jack Sparrow's chin was added as something of an in-joke between Johnny Depp and the makeup team. And throughout the first film, it gets progressively more obvious, suggesting that Sparrow is infected maybe with syphilis. Hmm. We talked about some of that, too. Yeah. And amongst the special features of the DVD release, there's a short interview with Richards, and this is Keith Richards, explaining the links between the rocker and the character that Johnny Depp plays. Which can only be found by pressing down twice on the Moonlight Serenade menu option. Oh, really? Every one of the first three DVD releases were packed with hidden mini features that can only be found by navigating with secret instructions. Few were particularly revelatory, but the experience of having to hunt for them did actually create a little buzz about it. Huh. So there we go. We'll have to give some of those a shot. Yeah. See some of that hidden stuff, because this is some of the stuff we could have been presenting on the show. Hidden How did things. you not know this? Shh. Ah! Of course I knew it. I just chose not to bring it to the group for some reason until now. A nod to classic pirate movies, the sequence that sees Will and Sparrow use a boat to walk underwater is clearly a reference to the Crimson Pirate. Yeah, we mentioned that one too. There's also Pintel's use of Poppet, but Hello, not Poppet. something that we did reference, in regard to Elizabeth, because it could well be a reference to the Spanish Main, and this is a classic pirate-themed love triangle starring Maureen O'Hara. Huh. And they use that word Poppet in there. There's a reference to Indiana Jones in this Curse of the Black Pearl. And oh, how really? we did not talk about this, I don't know. Because it's so blatant now that I see it. And I completely missed it. And we're doing a freaking breakdown here. That is bad Indiana Jones fandom right there. That it is. That is very poor. Dang it, I feel bad for myself. Me I got too. the Star Trek one, but the Indiana Jones, I dropped the freaking ball. Ridiculous. Anyways, Barbosa forcing Elizabeth to dress up for dinner is just like Belloc doing the same thing to Marion in Raiders of the Lost Ark. In both cases, these damsels in distress, if you want to call it that, or strong women, because they're both actually strong women, so I don't know why I call them damsels, <laughs> captive ladies, also threaten their captors with a butter knife or a knife, right? right? Yeah. Did Marion had a big old spread, too? She was eating... Yeah, he had a, not a big spread, but it, what are you talking about? Have you not seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? I don't remember. They're in the desert, the tent, he has a small, nice setup. She's eating like her steak or something. Now I can't think of what it was. Dang it, Indiana Jones minute. I got to re-listen to that. Or I could re-watch the movie. You could do both. And she grabs the knife and then Threat she's all drunk with, with wine and that kind of stuff. So it could be an accident, but I'd like to think that that is an Easter egg and a flashback to that. Or a, not a flashback. That'd be weird if he's flashing back. Jack Spurs like, why am I in the desert? <laughs> and what time am I in? This is a weird time. <laughs> the last one I got... For the Easter eggs on the list, Captain Barbosa wears an Eagle Scout ring. Have you heard of this? No. I haven't either. For some reason, maybe it's suggesting he's a Boy Scout gone off the rails. <laughs> Is he wearing an Eagle Scout ring? Because if know. we didn't, I rely on you for these little bits of information. And for you not to have that, if this is true, that is blasphemy. And the running joke of the pirate code being not rules, but more like guidelines that Barbosa shares with Sparrow and Elizabeth and everybody else seems to be included in an homage to Terry Pratchett's soul music, which has the same joke in it. Oh, really? So there you go. So the only thing we need to find out then, did Captain Barbosa really have an Eagle Scout ring on? Because I clearly remember asking you, what about Barbosa's rings? Because you talked about some of them. We Is talked about 
Sparrow's rings. And Barbosa's. And Mr. Barbosa's. We will have to go back and check that out and verify, and then we will decide if we choose to tell everyone or not. We'll just leave you hanging. That is on the official list, whether it's wrong or not, or they're just toying with us knowing that, hey, watch, Pirates of the Caribbean Minute will pick this up and they'll talk about it, some of our (laughs) Easter eggs, and then we'll have spread this viral rumor, this fake news out to everybody. How dare you guys at What Culture? Don't ever do that to us again. So we'll let you know. We'll see if we can find it. Yeah. And verify that he actually is wearing an Eagle Scout ring. So that's all I got today. Do you have anything else? That's all I have. It's getting close. Only two more episodes left. Yep. And then we'll be talking some announcements during next week. But other than that, we're leaving on a happy note. No. Barbosa's ring? Not Barbosa's ring. No death to visual effects companies. It's just regular Pirates of the Caribbean action. Pirate action. Yes. We're going out with pirate action. Which everybody wants to go out with. Exactly. We'll be back on Monday with Minute 142 of Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Where's that grog? Do you drink it? No way. Everybody. If you're so drunk, you don't drink it. Because the sun is shining all the time. It's like another perfect day. Heather, no surprise to find you in the tavern with a tankard full of rum in your hand. What was that for? You said you were going to meet me at the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute Cursed Listeners Crew Facebook group hours ago. I was? Mother's love! Why'd you slap me again? That's for not reminding people how to contact us. Get to it, you filthy bilge rat! Man, I obviously get no respect around here. So scallywags, thanks for listening. If you like the show... Give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out, and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook, our Facebook listeners group, and on Twitter. If you're interested in best of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are on blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy. It's that easy.